This episode is brought to you ad-free thanks to all of our wonderful patrons. You can help us keep the show going by joining at patreon.com slash flop. And welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. Next week, we'll be talking about Metallica Metulica. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> if you'd like to read along with us. Manga of puppets are pulling the strings! <laughs> be sure to join the discussion in our Discord and submit your six-word summary. You can find a link to the Discord in our episode description and on our website, shonenflop.com. But this week, we are talking about tricks dedicated to witches, and we are joined by our guest, Brad, a.k.a. Isekai Sensei. Woo! Hello. Hey, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate you reaching out to be on this show. If we have been waiting a while to really cover a true isekai, and I cannot think of anyone better. <laughs> it's really funny, actually. I was just walking around outside, and uh, I got hit by a bus, and all of a sudden I was here recording. <laughs> yeah, it happens way too often. Yeah. That time I got a concussion. <laughs> that time I got a concussion. Yeah, the best, the best isekai. Tell us about yourself, uh, Isekai Sensei. I became Isekai Sensei sometime near the beginning of the pandemic. I dived into to manga and just started reading and reading and got up to like, I think I'm at like 700 plus series at this point. God damn. It's an addiction. That time I got reincarnated as someone who's read 700 Isekai. Right. <laughs> Me and two of my friends, we had been watching anime together for a while, and we always had these discussions that we would have. And so, you know, after pandemic started to lift, we decided we were going to do a podcast together. So now we have uh, that time I was reincarnated in the same world as an anime podcaster. Whoa, I'm in that world. <laughs> you know, every time you go to sleep and you wake up, it's kind of like you've been isekai just <laughs> to the same world and life you're already in. Yeah. How can you really tell if your consciousness is the same as it was yesterday? Do you consider one of those like people get into a coma and the world drastically changes as an isekai? Is 28 Days Later an isekai? Is Jacob's Ladder an isekai? Hmm. There is a full conversation to have in what is and is not an isekai. <laughs> this is kind of like, is Clifford the Big Red Dog a kaiju? Yeah. <laughs> he is. <laughs> oh, we actually, we could ask Xander Cannon his thoughts on that. Um, oh we God. had a guest who literally made a comic about Kaiju. But before we start really diving into this series, so what would you say is the series that if you told anyone to check out an isekai, what would you recommend and why would you tell them to watch Konosuba? I knew you were going to say Konosuba. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's interesting you say that because one of my podcast co-hosts hadn't seen it before. And so we started watching it. That was a couple months ago. And the thing was, Rewatching it, I was like, this is not paced the same way that I remember it. <laughs> I couldn't get into Konosuba. <sighs> I still really like it, but it's much slower, at least at the beginning, than what I remembered. Yeah. And I think I was just remembering like the highlights. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I could still recommend Konosuba as like something to, you know, check out from time to time, but I don't think I'd pick that as like, oh, this is the one that you should get into. So, yeah. What would you actually say for people that maybe have never watched an isekai or read an isekai? What would you recommend? That's a tough one because I like to talk to people and find out what they like because there's so many different isekai that you can sort of go, OK, this person is into this particular thing. So I'm going to recommend this isekai to them or this person likes, you know, revenge stuff. And so I'm going to point them at this other one that has all this revenge stuff in it. What about me who generally fucking hates isekai? <laughs> well, I'd recommend tricks dedicated to witches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. I think that's a good segue into it. So let's actually dive into talking about this manga. Brad, take it away. Why don't you tell the audience a bit about the actual background behind the series? Yeah, so Tricks Dedicated to Witches was written by Watanabe Shizuma, the assistant for Akiko Higashimura for Princess Jellyfish and other series. <laughs> the note here says, apparently this dude had a shitload of assistants, as many as 36 at once. <laughs> Maxi B said it was really a question of who wasn't an assistant for this dude at some point. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Watanabe Sensei also had an assistant on this, Yusuke Kanade, <laughs> you know, like from Akira. Yeah. And then uh, what series was his assistant well known for? Boarding School Juliet. I've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it, but apparently it has an anime adaption. Really? Yeah. Oh, he has a brother? Yeah, so we have something unique for Maxi B where this, he also has a famous sibling. So can you tell the audience a little bit about him? different name. I guess that's a pen name or something. Mm -hmm. Ryosuke Asakura. Yeah, like from Shaman King. Yeah. Who, uh, he did Val X Love, Shikisaki, Shimai wa Abakaretai. 
<laughs> yeah. So that's uh, the younger brother, and they kept their relationship secret until 2016. Yeah. For some reason. Uh, you know, yeah, you want to stamp down those uh, accusations of nepotism. Yep. Well, maybe they shouldn't have if he's doing a Siskon manga. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why they kept it secret. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. I mean, let's be real. This manga had a lot of thinly veiled fetishes from the author in it. Yeah. They were there. <laughs> die, we'll, die, we'll definitely discuss about that in the plot summary, but do you mind telling the audience also about what other works? Because this author has been quite prolific. Apparently, he's done a lot of other stuff. Chimes? You know what? I haven't heard of any of these. Puberty's Iron Maiden, Real Account, and Dead Account, which is, is that the follow-up? Yeah, I assume <laughs> it's related. It's it's interesting. So I guess because the offer was like, I'm going to come back and finish this series, and then he started a different manga. So I don't think he's going to. Maybe he's waiting for Dead Account to get canceled. Well, Dead Account started like two weeks ago, so it'll still be quite a wait. That's okay. Hey, hey, man, we waited a little bit for Chainsaw Man Part 2. That's fair. I actually don't know if there's any instances of an offer, like, doing a completely different series and then coming back and finishing it. I would be curious if anybody can let us know. Maybe Maxi B is aware of situations like this of when it does happen. Old Shock BT. Well, no, Araki didn't do the Different sequel. author, I know, I know, I know, I know. Different author. <laughs> oh, Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> I guess, yeah. And then how long did the series run for? Yeah, so Tricks Dedicated to Witches started uh, August 26th, 2020, so a little later than I thought. I, I thought I had started reading it earlier than that, but unfortunately, it ended not that long after April 7th, 2021. It replaced Zevek by Bose and Ryota Shimochi. And the series that replaced it is uh, Tying the Knot with an Amagami sister. Is that right, Amagami? I'm a gumma. I mean, that's a, that's a Pink Floyd album. So maybe it's like Pink Floyd reference. No, it is absolutely not. But yeah, by <laughs> Naito Marcy. Yep. Yeah. And this this series, Chris Dedicated to Witches, it had 31 chapters and four volumes, you know, that uh, pretty long. Consider it for us, at least. That's well, usually some of the chapters were, were pretty long. Yeah. yeah, but I but I mean, usually the ch the series we read here are trash, and so they only go for like twenty chapters. Well, yeah, I think that's why this one has uh, probably set itself apart from your from your normal series that you check out. Yeah, definitely. Now that we've actually heard about the background of this manga, why don't we dive into about the manga where we're going to hear Jordan's fantastic plot summary? Yeah. Harry Makito was trained by his late mother to be a world-famous magician, but he's also kind of a brat that loves chocolate because his mom will give him chocolate. When a trick goes wrong, however, he is transported back in time to medieval Germany where he runs smack dab into Mia Culpepper, a young woman accused of being a witch. First, Makito is incredibly excited because real magic means he might be able to see his mom again. Unfortunately, Makito realizes that he didn't get isekai'd into a video game uh, but literally real life like actual ass medieval germany which means that mia isn't actually a fucking witch she's just like a local medicine woman who's about to be burned at the stake by the church using his understanding of illusions makito puts together a magic trick that saves mia and convinces the crowd that she's really a witch and he's the fucking devil makito loves it he is having a fucking blast and decides to rescue more witches to add to his new magic troop he gets his next chance when he sees Lisa, a blacksmith who's about to be executed for making metal sculptures that are simply too fucking rad for the times. The executioner is a priest that's pretending to bring people back to life, but really he's just killing twins. Like he kills one of them and then makes the other one shows up and acts like, oh, hey, I brought him back to life. But really just, uh, you know, he's, he's just fucking killing people. Makito manages to save her and they all hang out in the secret basement beneath the tavern that Makito won in a bet. The evil priest is killed for failure by Archbishop Pietro, leader of the Black Hammers, who seems to possess real fucking magic and telekinesis. Popcorn David. Makito and the girls run into Helga, the strongest witch, which I don't know if you guys know she was the strongest witch. I don't think the series really was mentioned it much. Yeah, I don't think they said it every <laughs> fucking chapter over and over again or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who loves bacon sandwiches and is being forced to fight and win 100 misogynistic gladiatorial bouts in order to save her sister like that girl from Dress Rosa. She's being controlled by Dio. I mean, Father Valerie, one of the black hammers who throws telekinetic knives. And it's not land. That's the oh, new JoJo sorry. part, Knives Land. 
Yes, that's part eight. <laughs> Knife land. <laughs> Turns out the main character is Dio. That actually be a fun twist, but they already did it with Akira. Or uh, sorry, with Kira. Or Jorno. Or anyway. Uh, yeah, who throws teleconnect knives and has filled Helga with internalized misogyny. Makito discovers that his knife trick is done using electromagnets, which obviously shouldn't exist in fucking 1600s Germany. <laughs> when Helga is fighting Valerie in her 100th match, Makito appears, undoes his knife trick, and uses illusions to seemingly transition into a hot girl. Trans rights, says the offer. Seriously? Holy shit. I was not expecting that. Oh, Jordan wrote that too. Makito says trans rights. It fills Helga's head with some of his women respecting juice, allowing her to easily defeat Father Valerie. Devil Makito and his troop of witches escape the arena only to run into Father Pietro, who makes the arena explode, killing everyone still there and blaming it on the devil. And Makito realizes that Pietro is also a magician from the future. Hey man, that was a really cool scene. Yeah. Then they all get wasted and party because someone read Chainsaw Man. <laughs> Next, while out in the forest, Mia, Lise, and Helga run into a little girl named Brigitte who can talk to animals, including a massive wolf. Brigitte's parents were assholes, so the big wolf is her new mom. The witches immediately drag her into their hideout. But Makito is such a skeptic <laughs> asshole about her powers, she runs away, only for someone from town to see her talk to animals and brand her a witch. To be fair, this is the only instance where they might be right. Yeah. <laughs> Popcorn Brad. The little girl is then chased through the forest by Father Lucio, one of the black hammers who seems to have healing powers, but really he just poisons them with snake venom and then injects them with the antidote without them noticing. He cures a woman, but kidnaps her equally sick husband and brutally experiments on him until he dies. Unfortunately, in the process of scoping out the priest, Helga is infected by the poison, known as Witch's Palm. Makito successfully leads Father Lucio and his followers out into the woods, where they do an illusion that makes it seem like the guy he killed has come back as a ghost. In the chaos, the troop manages to infect Lucio with the Devil's Palm to force him to take out the antidote. However, the wife of the guy he murdered takes the needle and fatally stabs him with it, destroying the antidote in the process. As he lays dying, Lucio presses a button on his plague mask, which releases gas infecting everybody there so no one can reveal the truth. Joke's on them, though, because Mia's hobby is injecting snake venom in order to build a tolerance. Her fucking hobby! Meaning that her blood works in an anti-venom and they're able to save everyone. In the final chapter, Makito talks about how diversity is really cool and witch hunts are bad. And Pietro talks about how diversity is really bad and witch hunts are cool. End of part one. I love how his like main goal is he's trying to prevent the industrial revolution. Is yeah. like Pietro's main <laughs> agenda as the bad guy. It's great, yeah. Uh, that seemed to like be a little bit out of nowhere, but I guess that he had to have some kind of reason. Yeah. Yeah. This is the series just kind of arbitrarily ended, but we'll dive into that after we talk about the characters. So Jordan, do you want to tell us about our boy Harry? Yeah. You're a wizard, Harry, Makito. I'm the devil, baby. That was a good Rick and Morty episode. I'm the devil, baby. So why don't you kill me? Anyway, Harry Makito, he is a magician. He's like David Copperfield, David. He's like, uh, you know, an, an illusionist. <laughs> they call it illusions, Michael. <laughs> oh, my God. He fucking loves chocolate. He oh, we could have done the SpongeBob chocolate guy as the oh cover Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck. It's all right. Uh, I think I sent it to you, um, but I'll send it to you if you didn't see it. <laughs> Brad, it is the David Blaine magic <laughs> magic trick videos from like 15 years ago on Funny or Die. Oh, the the fake David Blaine one where he's like... Yeah, where he's like <laughs> yeah. fucking with those two dudes. What are you doing? How did you do that? Get out of our house. Uh, you are a witch. She sent me to dinosaur times. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite, he shows the home video. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is me as a baby. And then he's like, hey, here's your car. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love that great. scene. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta rewatch this. Okay, anyway, sorry, sorry, yeah. So anyway, uh Harry. Harry's the devil ally to women and LGBTQ, which I like really I wasn't expecting. Like um, Oh yeah, this offer was like legit pretty based. Mostly. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, no, Makito just straight up cross dresses in here in, in this uh manga and talks about how yeah, no, it's no big deal if you want to transition gender. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, we do it all the time in the future. It's no big deal. Yeah. Gender gender is a social construct. And I'm not sure what his sexuality is. He's clearly a chocosexual. Yeah, clearly. I mean, whatever it is, it seems like he's not attracted to women, which is great. This series would be so much worse if Makito was perving on all the girls around him. Oh, this series would probably not be good if he if it was like he was indulging in the horniness. Yeah, they go like, oh, it's going to be this harem thing. And it's like, no, I actually think he might be ace. 
I think so too. I don't want to call him gender fluid because it doesn't happen enough, but I could see if the series had gone for 100 chapters, it wouldn't be that weird to say he was gender fluid. It's complicated because it's also like he's doing it. He might be doing it more for a performance. Yeah. He's also just totally cool with it. He's also must have done it a lot if he has a female voice he can use because that requires a lot of training. Yeah. Absolutely no issue. Just suddenly wearing women's clothes and looking like a woman and stuff yeah. like it's 2021, baby. Yeah. I would say he's the hottest one. <laughs> the offer doesn't draw him in drag. He just draws a female version of him. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you couldn't really have expected the offer to really draw like him in drag. How can you really tell? I mean, like you could argue that like, well, I guess I guess like when he is his proportions do change in a way that's physically impossible. But he's wearing pants all the rest of the time. So, you don't maybe his legs really look like that. You don't know. His legs are kind of skinny and when he turns into a woman, actually, like, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're not like a thick. And I guess the offer never drew him an Adam's apple. That's true. That's true. A little bit more detail than you usually expect from a uh, manga. Yeah, he starts off being an asshole, but I kind of feel like they say he's an asshole, but he's not really. He's kind of like a prima donna. He plays it up a lot. He reminds me a lot of Death the Kid. Oh, yeah. That's a really good comparison. His relationship with uh, the girls like uh, around him also like remind me a lot of Death the Kid's relationship with his two girls. Yeah, where he'd like platonically grope them as close <laughs> as you can say platonically grope, if you know what I mean. Like, it's clear that he's not doing it out of horniness. He's just kind of a dick. Yeah. But speaking of horniness, why don't we get into Mia? So one thing before we move on. Sure. Um, I, one of your notes here is makes weird reaction faces. Oh, yes. Yes, that's a yes, great point. yes, yes. I gotta say, I think the only reaction faces I've seen better than Harry in this series is Anya in Spy Family. I also love Mashal. I was just gonna say the Mashal face. Yeah. Yeah, also I do want to say, because we didn't mention it that much, Harry just kind of looks like he's got two devil horns, and he is called the devil. He is Devil Makito, and he basically starts a cult around him being the devil, and that's how he gains followers who he forces to do labor for him, basically. That one priest guy is like, the devil is so cool. Yeah, the devil <laughs> fucking owns, dude. Brad, do you mind telling us a little bit about Mia? Yeah, Mia is the first witch that uh, Makito meets. He all but falls on her as he gets into this uh, past time. So Mia is a, probably call her a medicine woman. Yeah. But she lives by herself on the outskirts of town. And so, you know, back 400 years ago, everybody was like, oh, you know, single woman by herself on the edge of town. Uh, we got to be yeah worried about her. Yeah, and she tries to keep people from dying. Fuck you. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. She's actually a very devout Christian. So when she is told that she's a witch, she's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm a witch. <laughs> yeah, cause, I mean, the church can't be wrong. It's like right all the fucking time. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hey, it's again, 1600s Germany. What the fuck are you going to do? Like, <laughs> She just has low confidence. She has low confidence. I do really like Mia because, like, you slowly start to see that there's, like, something weird about her where she's just kind of, yeah, no, I love injecting snake venom. Oh, it feels <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. You start to get addicted to the feeling of your tongue going numb. And everyone around <laughs> her is, like, starting to get weirded out. Yeah, you can tell she's very weird. Yeah. I appreciated that. She also has huge boobs and the author thinks she's really hot. And she invents the bacon sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> well, she she invents bacon between two slices of bread. <laughs> yes. This turns out that that's already a thing. Nah. In the future. Yeah. It's a thing in the future. So maybe she did invent it. <laughs> that's true. And then speaking of inventions, should we talk about the second witch? Yeah. This is Lisa Gantz. She's a blacksmith. She is strong, independent. I feel like she's supposed to represent some sort of diversity because her skin tone is very different than every other character. There was a particular line they actually called that out um, when they were talking to the grandpa, like about the backstory. But I couldn't quite figure out what exactly they meant. <laughs> I am pretty sure she is supposed to be Romani. Oh, OK. There's one line where... It says she's Rama, R-A-M-A, -A, and it just makes me think, did you guys misspell Roma? Maybe, yeah. I could see her being portrayed as like Greek or South Italian. I spent the whole time just assuming she was Romani, basically. Like, I, yeah. um, and also she loves saying the word wunderbar. <laughs> it is her catchphrase. Yeah. It, she says it the way that like Joseph Joestar says, oh no. 
Yeah. <laughs> Joseph Joestar, by the way, best example of the fucking character in drag. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> See, that's what I was expecting, because that is when he clearly looks like a man in drag. Well, see, the difference there is that this author is a transphobic. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that portrayal hasn't aged very well. No, it hasn't. Well, it's so over the top. It's kind of like it loops back around where it's like, all right, like clearly you're not like this is what actual trans people look like. Here's the thing. It's not great, but I don't think anyone's mad about it is basically how it is. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we got to pass having a Nazi protagonist in part two. <laughs> yeah. Araki plays by his own rules, and we'll yeah, definitely talk know, about Araki. JoJo's so ridiculous, you just kind of like, whatever, it's JoJo, we're not gonna... Yeah, and then Jordan, will you tell us about Helga? Helga Buttgrate? Helga the strongest <laughs> witch, Buttgrate. <laughs> She's but great. No, uh, Helga Buttgerit. It's like Buttgerit or Buttgerit. I don't know. It's it's German. Maybe not real German, because, you know, the, the author is... Uh, Tucker actually said the German this is actually probably some of the best German he's seen in a manga like this before. Wow. You know what, though? That doesn't shock me too much. This guy does research. This guy puts effort. Oh, this guy definitely researched. Like, the, we'll talk about it. But yeah, she is the strongest witch. I like how David wrote the strongest witch four times in the, in the notes. <laughs> I just didn't know if you guys knew that she was the strongest witch. Really? I didn't get that. I didn't get that either. <laughs> It's like in Hunter Hunter how he keeps saying, oh, it has the properties of both rubber and gum. <laughs> Bungee gum. No, but I love Helga. Helga might be best girl. She always seems tired. She is always hungry. She fucking loves schnitzel and bacon sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Well, she just loves eating. She loves eating, but especially schnitzel and bacon sandwiches. That was actually one of the few research errors I saw where she's eating pizza in a scene which didn't exist. She's eating pizza in the scene? There's a scene where there's a pizza on a table. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, tomatoes did not come to Europe at that time. I mean, it could have been uh, a white pizza. Wait, 1492, though. Well, cocoa beans are also a New World plant, so they said it after. It's, um, it's the pizza itself just literally hadn't been invented at that point yet. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. If only there was someone from the future that could, like, tell them how to make it. Yeah, that's true. So I thought that was <laughs> that way he can hand wave these, like, minor errors. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe this author looked it up. It was like, oh, this thing kind of looks like pizza. Let's put this in there, you know? like uh... That's true. My favorite thing about her, but I also have a question for you guys then. Mm -hmm. My favorite thing is that when she's, like, moving around and dancing and fighting and stuff, she does her own sound effects. Yes! <laughs> Mm -hmm. And so my question then is, do you think she's on the spectrum? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The way that she is like uh, comports herself and like acts with other people around her and everything. It just gave me that vibe. And how she's like always kind of off in her own little head. Yeah. I think Makito is also on the spectrum in that a little bit in that. Probably. Yeah. I think all the characters are somewhat on the spectrum. In some ways, I don't know. Like, it's hard to tell. But those yeah. two are definitely the most uh, blatant yeah. about it. She's cool. She has been filled with internalized misogyny by the guy who killed her parents, basically. And yeah, yeah fuck she... Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and her arc is basically learning that, hey, you know what? Actually, fuck sexist. I can be strong and use a sword. I'm strong. I'm a strong yeah. woman. I use a fucking sword. Yeah, I like how a lot. Mm -hmm. Brad, would you like to say anything about uh, Brigitte, the wolf lady? Yeah, Brigitte. She is... Did they say how old she was? I would say she's under 14. Yeah, she's like 10. She's young. Actually, you know what? I think she might be 10. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? She's, she's talking to the adult wolf and she's like, hey, you know, we're about the same age, but I'm like ancient for a wolf. Yeah. So that at least gives you kind of a ballpark of how old she is, I guess. Yeah. So Brigitte can talk to animals and the way that the series portrays it is that she is quite literally talking to the animals and they talk back to her. <laughs> it's full on. Oh, what is it? Uh, Thornberry. Yeah. Totally. She is Eliza Thornberry. It is it is the only instance in this manga where they're just like, no, no, it's it's real magic. No, really. She's just straight up. Yeah, honestly, this was the part where I got to and I was like, um, hold on a minute, guys. Yeah. I think this was a sign the offer was struggling with what to do. Yeah. Maybe. But then, you know, they had the the witches like teased at the beginning. So I think he might have had that planned out, you know? He also kind of hand waves it away where he's like, hey, um, real people. There have been people in real history that have been really good at like, uh, yeah. you know, 
at talking to animals, which I... When they're going through that, it's like, okay, like, yeah, some people have a better connection with animals and they can sort of understand what they want and, like, get them to do stuff, but they're not actually speaking to them. Yeah, no, she's, she's like, legitimately Eliza Thornberry talking to these animals and having conversations. And they show the animals thinking. Right. They have word bubbles and shit. Which I think was a bad decision. But she's pretty cool. You know, she she had a really tough life. She get, got abused by her parents. If I say that one page in chapter 26, people will know what I'm talking about. And we can just move on from that because it's a thing that happened, but we don't have to go back to it. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe we should move on to her just for the sake of time. And let's get into Archbishop Pietro. So he is the main bad guy. He is also a magician. He founded the Iron Hammer Society in the church. And he is from the future. And you find out he's from the future in one of my favorite moments of the series, which we'll definitely talk to you about in the pauses. Yeah. That's what I assumed he was doing. And I was so glad when it turned out that was how he was hinting that he was from the future. Yeah. Also, he's he's big racist and he hates he hates uh, diversity. Like, damn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, his last name is actually Hitler. If you see in one scene where there's a letter addressed to him, and what it, if they revealed that like he was from the future, but not like quite as far into the future as Makido? Like he's literally from like the 1930s. I actually think that mm. because everything he brought in was invented in the eight, the 19th century. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe because I actually looked it up. Electromagnets were invented in like 1830. Yeah, he's actually the the biggest reason why I'm really upset that this series is is over because what he was up to and and where he's from and I wanted those answers, you know. He hints that he works at an NPO as like a lawyer, so I guess yeah. that gives you some kind of hints. Yeah. It would be a lawyer who wants to, like, you know, destroy the world, right? <laughs> oh, God. That makes sense. Fucking lawyers. What if he's, he's Rudy Giuliani? <laughs> that would explain a lot. Okay, but speaking of failure, let's get into why it failed. Oh, that was, oh, good transition, David. <laughs> Shitting on Rudy Giuliani. I love it. All right. So, Jordan, though, why don't you tell us what were some things that you thought the series didn't do so well, which actually is on the short side because we like this series. Yeah, so, you know, uh, the pacing in this series is just, just like a little weird. There's some moments where it's like, oh, man, that went way too fast. Can you, like, chill for a second and kind of, like, just kind of live in this space for a bit? But no, nah, series is like, no, nah, we got to move, man. No, nah, we got to get going. It's, it's like David, you know, <laughs> when we're having too much fun. Also, like, you know, Makito isn't horny for uh, his witches, but the author is. Yeah, yeah. And torturing people. He definitely has like a torture fetish. I would say that we briefly hinted at it when we were talking about Brigitte, but there is a panel where she is literally naked and tied up to the ceiling and her dad is whipping her and it's uncomfortable. I'll tell you. So I originally read this series like two years ago or whenever, like when it was first coming out. And when I was revisiting it here and, you know, seeing people talk about it in the discord and everything. And, and someone mentioned that scene. I was like, what? And I looked at it. And I was like, I did not remember that this was a thing that happened. <laughs> It's the only time that she is even like remotely sexualized and yeah. it's uncomfortable. Brigitte, yeah. The other ones, they do it a bunch, but yeah. The other ones are constantly sexualized. <laughs> yeah, but they're all over 18, so it's not as bad. They're over 18 and there's more to their character. Like, we'll get into it with what it did well. Why that didn't destroy my enjoyment of the manga. You could potentially say that they weren't trying to sexualize her, but it was definitely, if it didn't cross the line, it's right on it. It comes across like there's a little bit of horniness. Like, <laughs> I've seen worse. I have seen way worse. Yeah, it's just like every single time someone gets tortured or attacked, it coincidentally their like breasts are shown as part of like, remember like when she's in the sword fight, literally, that's actually the first time I feel like I've seen a nipple in a manga that we've covered in the show is literally like her left boob falls out of her shirt because of how she gets cut. It's one of those things like I have actually seen this in a few manga where it's like they don't draw the actual nipple. They draw the outline of the nipple, Yeah, you know, so it's like you look at it. It's like I, I can see the nipple, man. You just didn't draw the areola. Or look, anything. guys, we don't have to censor it. It's just a vague <laughs> shape. What? She just had a mosquito bite. Yeah, what, what? Uh, or when, I mean, honestly, like, the first time you see it is in, like, the first chapter where Mia is getting tortured and they stab her in the boob. And, yeah. like, her boobs are kind of just there. She got big boobs. And they're, like, they're fucking there. They're right there. 
What would you guys say, though, are some other issues in this series? I feel like one is I definitely could tell the offer was struggling with magic tricks at the end. Like he starts kind of getting tricks that are so complicated and require so much setup that it's like clearly he wrote the situation to do this trick instead of the other way around, which is when I think the series is at its best. Yeah. Yeah. Where he like writes a uh, writes a scenario and then like the tunnel, like like the tunnel was ridiculous. Like that entire scene was way more complicated than it needed to be where he has people literally build a tunnels where you can have like a hidden stage and all of this. And I was like, this is so insanely unnecessary versus this other tricks you've done and like Mm. we'll work for like four days to do this trick. At the same time, it was kind of like, okay, well, if you want to do actual magic, it's fucking hard. It takes fucking work because you're literally doing these things and then tricking people into thinking you're not. So I, I did appreciate that on some level. Yeah, with basically no time for for practice. That is true, actually. Yeah. Because he executes every trick flawlessly every time he does it, which is something I would have wanted to see is him like have a scene where he just like human error. He fucked up a trick. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you could have it be where he needs to like write the trick because he screwed up somehow. They even talked about when when they got captured in, in the prison that like, oh, you always have to have a plan B. Improvisation is a big part of magic and he never has to improvise. Yeah. The attempt to rescue Helga went wrong, but it wasn't really so much because it was fucking up magic so much as Helga was just just didn't want to go. Right. Yeah. And also we couldn't figure out a trick because the guy used a technology that literally didn't exist for 200 years at this point. So I don't blame him for not knowing how the dude was doing his trick. Yeah. Boobs save the day. Yeah. She was just materialized chocolate out of her boobs. No, with the with the the badge. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. I also think by the way that I kind of don't like the structure of the plot where it just kind of felt like there wasn't really any nothing really was moving forward besides him rescuing the witches, which is fine for the first like 10 or so chapters when you're building the cast. But we are at chapter 30 and there still wasn't an overarching plot. Yeah. And the series also kind of ends hinting that there's another witch that we just haven't met. On Twitter, he actually talks about like what his plan for this character was and shows her design. Oh, she was in the beginning too. the character at the very beginning. They show all of the the, the witches. That last witch is there uh, with her face obscured. All you can see the faces of all the other ones. When I was rereading that, I was like, did he know he wasn't going to finish this? <laughs> so he actually kind of just quit. He was like, I can't do this anymore. Really? That's why there wasn't like three chapters of ending it. He just straight up was like, I can't do this series anymore. I, I think he legit was like, I'm out of ideas. I wouldn't blame him. What he did well here must have been so fucking difficult. Yeah. And speaking of things he did well, why don't we get into that section? That was my attempt at a transition. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, Brad, I know you were the one who actually recommended we cover this series, and it looks like it was for very good reasons. So what were some things that you actually enjoyed about the series? Or sorry, what were some things you enjoyed about the series? Because I don't have to say actually because we like the series. (laughs) Yeah. This is actually one of my favorite manga of all time and such a good job of laying out how these things are done in the real world. These magic tricks that Harry is going to do. I think this was brought up before that the it's very Dr. Stone-esque. Yeah. You're going to do something that exists in the real world. And, you know, maybe you're going to fudge some edges here and there because, you know, you're having fun with it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a manga. But go to the trouble of explaining how, how this thing works in the real world. Even the first chapter, they're like, here's how sleight of hand is done and it actually like explains all of the little bits and pieces of of how a magician goes about doing sleight of hand and they do that very well almost the entire way through yeah of explaining these tricks and as someone who reads so many isekai where it's just magic and ass pulls all day it's so refreshing to read a series like this where there's actual reality to it you know the only moment that I really felt was kind of an ass pull was where it was like, uh, oh, this priest is uh, stabbing people to death. Let's create like a pipe where he stabs. And it's like, well, and I'm just thinking, well, what if he stabs her? Is he stabs them in any other place? It's like right. it's like that scene from Dumb and Dumber where she gives him the body armor intentionally. So he'll shoot him. He goes, what if you shot me in the head? And she just kind of shrugs. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but to stay positive, though, I haven't seen offered to this much research, like you said, since Dr. Stone, where this guy really, really was proud of the work he was doing. And I think for good reason, because, yeah. as you said, Tucker said the German was good. He knew his research was well enough that he had called shots in the series, like as I alluded to. So for listeners, the reason the main character is able to figure out that Pietro is from the future is Pietro gives him a playing card. And Jordan, what playing card does he give him? He gives him the Joker. Because because David, David, he's a, he's a little bit twisted. 
So you think that at first, <laughs> but I actually realized that when he did it. So the reason that's a big deal is the Joker card was invented in the 19th century. So it would not have been in a deck, a conventional deck of cards. And I was really impressed that that was actually the reason why the main Harry was able to realize that because he likewise knew the Joker did not exist in this time period. Actually, there are two things that that I uh, tipped him off. The other one is that he did it by throwing a playing card out of his hand using sleight of hand, which the main character was like, wait a fucking minute. You're a magician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, this was a lot of fun. It was like I wound up really enjoying the characters. Like, even though they are sexualized, the girls are likable. They all have personality. They all have personality. They're all interested in their own things. They do all seem to have some kind of crush on Harry in some way, but like there's more to their character besides that. Yeah. It's not like overbearing. It's so impressive that the author can balance like that horniness that he's got going with those girls with the LGBTQ plus rights stuff that he's got going on. Yeah, the author is clearly horny for women, but he's like, now hold on, though. Look, I might think these girls are hot, but let's let's respect them, too. All right, let's give them <laughs> right. rights. Yeah. It's a woman's decision to, to, to be hot. Yeah, we're only going to objectify them a little bit. Yeah, and he objectifies trans women too, which is like, you know, he's definitely like <laughs> trans women or women. Yeah. Because he sexualizes the fuck out of Harry when he's cross-dressing. Yeah. Oh, he fucking does. He has like all the medieval male characters in Germany just fucking super horny for him when he turns into a woman. Oh, and you know the one, uh, the guy who owned the tavern before yeah. that he yeah. won it from? I'm pretty sure near the end there, they were hinting that that guy was realizing his feelings for Harry. Oh, Like, for real. He's gay because like, he's like, Harry, I did something really nice for you. And Harry's like, all right, you can hug me for a bit. <laughs> yeah. And it was right around the time that Harry just straight up was like, he was talking to the girls and he's like, yeah, no, gender is like whatever social concept. You can be really fluid about it. And um, you can love whoever you want. He gets into gay marriage. Yeah. In the future, gay marriage is like not a big deal, you know, like and that's right around the time that that dude hugs him. That would also explain because there were like I was a little confused why that guy was so devoted to Harry. But if it did turn out, oh, he's actually gay in 1600s Germany and doesn't really know what to do with that. That would explain like pretty much everything there. They started out being like, oh, he's going to do what he says because he thinks he'll get cursed otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then they like transition, they transition that into like a hey, transition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Magic's he's not actually doing magic. Should we really, you know, go along with him? And then uh, Harry's like, hey, by the way, I'm a hot chick. Uh, you should still listen to me. And they're like, OK. <laughs> Yeah, just one other positive, because it would have, I think, been a much shittery series if it was like that r slash atheism where it's like, you simple minded common folk, there is no God. He's just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to be the devil and use magic to make everyone think my powers are real. And I think that was a much more fun direction than him being like the fun police. The thing about Harry is that he fucking loves the fun. Like, do you guys know who uh, James Randi is? Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, I actually watched a few uh, videos about James Randi and uh, Uri Geller after I was reading this series. Oh, yeah. If you don't know, Uri Geller was the guy who claimed he could use telekinesis to bend spoons. I think he was the guy, the reason why they couldn't put Alakazam on Pokemon cards. Yeah. Yeah, because Alakazam was based on Uri Geller. Yeah, he had those spoons. Yeah. The original name for Alakazam was straight up a reference to Yuri Geller. But James Randi is a magician, or he was. He was a magician, like, straight up. But also, he hated the fact that Uri Geller was going around claiming, hey, this shit's miracles, all right? I am literally a tele like a telepath. I can literally really do all this stuff. And James Randi's like, no, you fucking aren't. These are just fucking magic tricks. Yeah. But at the same time, he wasn't saying, oh, you can't enjoy magic and shit, which reminded me a lot of Makito, because Makito isn't the fun police. He yeah. isn't going around saying, hey, God doesn't exist. Don't be like that. No, he's just like, yo, they are tricking you guys and they are manipulating you using just simple illusions and shit. Yeah, but not tricks. 
Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> this manga's name is Illusions Dedicated to Witches. It was a mistranslation, actually. Yes. And then yeah. <laughs> speaking of things we would change, why don't we get into where it could have gone? Yeah. This is actually kind of a hard section just because this series like definitely was the closest to no notes in the first chapter besides like the sexualization stuff. I think one thing I really would have liked to have seen is actually see more of the magic fundamentals, like the building blocks of how tricks are even made. Because it would have been cool if I had read this and then I could have figured out like how to make like a simple magic trick from scratch without them completely outlining how it works. Yeah. So for instance, a lot of the magic tricks are based on the vulnerabilities of how the human eye works, where if you didn't know, the human eye actually cheats a lot and it just kind of gives you fake information because it can't process everything. That's what a magic tricks are actually based on is using those blind spots, but they don't really talk about that. Like, yeah, they talk about palming, but they don't say here are like the applications of how you can palm things. Here are things besides the obvious. So that would have been fun because this series literally the offer to just homework and he shows it, but it's literally you can duplicate the tricks, but you can't really think for yourself or even know how to identify magic tricks. Well, actually, that's an element that was completely not discussed is what are the tricks people use to do these magic tricks and how Harry's able to tell. Yeah, no, I, I mean, shit. Uh, like, do you know how Uri Geller bends the spoons, David? Um, I forget. He literally waits until the audience isn't looking. Literally that. It's, it's not more complicated than that. It's just misdirection. He doesn't even use gallium. <laughs> no, but I agree. That would have been interesting if it was like, no, I, like we saw Harry coming up with the tricks. He just kind of yeah. knows because like, I mean, he is a genius. He's like, been doing this forever. He's been doing this forever. It's not it's not a plot hole, but it would have been it would have been interesting. I agree. I also feel like when he does that thing where he figures out the trick that the priest is doing, I think most of the time when that happens, the author doesn't really give the audience the hints that are required yeah. to yeah. figure it out on their own. So that could have been something that would have sort of made it a little deeper. I think that's a really great idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It seems like it's kind of a mystery, but it's not. And I think that would have tied into it where if he had given us the tools of how to identify tricks, literally the next chapter could have been you use those skills he just taught you and you notice it before. The, you know, obviously they still have to spell it out for some people who didn't notice, but it would have been cool to be like, hey, if you notice someone's hand and you could literally see like the guy doing something with his hand in like the next chapter and you know, oh, oh yeah, it would have been so cool. That's how you palm something or something if your hand is like in a position like this. He yeah. had taught the witches how to find stuff like that. And then like they're someplace without him and they have to like figure out someone tricking them. That would have been awesome. That's actually one of my other ideas is I think it would have been really cool if there was an arc where maybe like the poison, he's in a coma and they have to figure out how to do it because he's building off of what he's taught them. So I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. I really, really wanted to see him disappear for a few chapters. Yeah. yeah. He goes into a coma and isekais into a different moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's just isekaiing all the way down. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Somebody just, oh, no, I isekai. Oh, no, I got isekai again. Oh, no, I got isekai again. Wait, is that the plot of Sliders? Is that what Sliders is? I think Sliders is all about jumping. Uh, I think that's Inception, actually. I do read uh, a series where the main character at the very beginning gets isekai three or four times Jeez. <laughs> and then ends up back in the original world he was isekai to. But he gains a new power from each time he gets oh, isekai. Oh, that actually sounds like a really cool idea. Yeah. It's pretty cool, except it's sort of one of those revenge mangas. So, yeah. Oh, I fucking see. I like how this wasn't. This is just him having fun. Yeah, that's why that's why you didn't say the name of the manga. <laughs> I had one last thought, by the way. Yeah. So I also feel like the character growth of the main character, like, again, in terms of the plot, it's just like they say a lot. He's an asshole, but you don't actually see him really being an asshole. And it was like they would show flashbacks of him being an asshole and then him being nice, which was really I just it would have been nice to have seen more of a gradient of his character growth. It doesn't seem so much like he's an asshole so much as he's just, like, bad with social cues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a very similar dynamic with Death of Kit, I really think. And then, oh, how about you two? Did you have anything else you wanted to add in terms of things that you would have liked to have seen the series do differently? I kind of thought that, like, and, and this was one of my guesses where I thought it was like, oh, man, this is where all the witch uh, lore comes from, you know? Yeah, that would have been cool, but I guess it wasn't. Yeah. Oh, like he's he's the reason why which stuff is so. Yeah. Like which is flying broom six because of the trick he did. That would be interesting. It was like, yeah. oh, this actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it didn't, but it did. Or did it? <laughs> oh, or maybe mm -hmm. it didn't. My biggest thing for this is I wish we didn't have to talk about this right now because I wish it had continued. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah. Well, they do say it does say end of part one. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm getting the sense that the author quit, but he was still like, you know what, though? I'm going to really think about this and try and come up with some more tricks. Yeah, he needs like a year just to research before he could write. Yeah, 
And, you know, I'd be fine with that. One of the reasons why I wanted to, you know, have you guys talk about this was because I wanted this to get to more people because I have this thought of like, oh, if enough people read this and like it, maybe we can get it to come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine we call this episode part one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I originally talked about this series on my podcast almost over a year ago on um, one of our review episodes our first review stravaganza yeah i recommended it to my friends and 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 they read it and they were like this is great why is this over and i was like ah, yeah i want more people to, to look at this i need i need it to come back <laughs> i actually really respect the author stopping because in his mind he was like you know what i want to keep going but i want to do it right man yeah yeah I don't want to just make a bunch of chapters and have that don't have anything backing them and just have the quality tank because that's probably what would happen. Right. Oh, this series was going to turn into mush if he was forced to keep going for another like 60 chapters. Yeah. It's that thing where, you know, when you're flying high enough, if you fall, you got a long way to fall. Yeah. So he was just like, I'm going to take a break from flying. Now that we're kind of talking about other things, why don't we get into miscellaneous thoughts? Jordan, though, what were some little thoughts that you couldn't fit into this conversation so far? So Mia used a sleep bomb. That definitely killed the cards. <laughs> I don't think it killed the guards. I think it got the cards high as fuck. Like being an anesthesiologist is one of those like dangerous jobs because it's so easy to kill someone by accident. Yeah. So you are giving a measure of gas that's not measured to their weight and gender and like all that. So it's very easy to kill people in that situation. It might have been more just like um, she probably killed a few of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She killed a few and then she figured out what the right formula was. So those guards that we saw are still alive. By the way, what a great fucking concept for a manga. This was such a, yeah, this is a fun idea. Because what a lot of isekai are is they go to a world where magic is real. I mean, it's a video game where they go to. They go to a video game where magic is real. But I, I feel like this this author was just like, no, no, it's not. There's a question, though, because, I mean, on the, first of all, how did he get there? Is that That's real true. magic? And then second of all, Brigitte is talking to animals and they're talking back. So is magic actually real? Like, Well, as we talked about in the chibi, we don't actually know what happens when you die. So it could be you get sent to the 1600s. <laughs> yeah. If you die in a very specific way, maybe, you know, like. Yes, only magicians, magician hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's magician hell. You go to the time when witches are getting killed. Yeah. I also, by the way, have some thoughts from Maxi B. I just wanted to throw real quick. So Maxi B's thoughts. This ended suddenly. Normally cancellation or ending is announced, but not with this. It just suddenly said, offer said, hey, I'm out. My bad. It was very bizarre. And they've very, very rare that an offer just kind of quits like this. Also, I don't know if you two saw, but the series actually had illustrations with Hiro uh, Mashima's Eden Zero. That is by the creator of Monster Hunter Arash Jordan, if you remember that. Ooh. And yeah, they just drew each other's characters. Mashima wished for Witch's Skin anime, which I think it would have if the author hadn't had quit like this. I think it would work really well as an anime. It would. Because they could have really stopped and like shown visuals of like how the trick works. So, David, does that mean that this was not canceled? I mean, it was canceled in that the author quit, so they had to cancel the series. Huh. Uh, maybe that's why we like it. It wasn't canceled because it sucked. It's canceled also in the same way where what was that series we covered? Because fuck the why am I spacing the berserk author's name? Oh, uh, Mira died. Yeah. Yeah. When Mira died, it was canceled because the author died. It's the same way where the author is like, I can't do the series anymore except he died. And that's why I guess guess I better kill myself. Yeah. <laughs> And then the offer ends things on an end of part one note, but there's no guarantee. He's already doing dead account, as we talked about. And there have actually been other series like Zetman where they say, like, stay tuned for the return. And then they just never come back. So don't hold your breath, unfortunately. Samurai 8 did that. Maybe Samurai 8's definitely set up for a part two. I don't know if it explicitly said end of prologue or something. They, they really set up for that part two, though. Yeah. And then Tucker, by the way, says the series uses a lot of locations and the geography is actually reasonable where like the distances they travel between places is like reasonable, like on a map. So, again, this offer really, really did his research, which is very impressive. Yeah, he fucking either read books or watched a lot of documentaries on Germany, like from this period. I wonder if he went to Germany and like went to these towns in Germany and like spent like a month. Maybe. I also liked how he went into the chocolate thing. Like they did have uh, 30 pages where they were looking for chocolate, which might have been a little <laughs> excessive. But yeah, what I liked is that Mia was just like, oh, no, I got this thing from Spanish and the word kind of sounds like chocolate and it comes from the cacao plant. And he's just like, that's fucking chocolate. He's like, bitch, you serious right now? 
Are you fucking kidding me? I think that whole thing probably works better in the original Japanese because when they're like, yes. no, chocolate and chocolate are different. It's like, what? What are you saying? Those are the same words. How would you miss that? Yeah. This uh, reminds me of one of the worst mistakes I ever made in my life where I was getting a crepe in France and you could get in chocolate crepe or a Nutella crepe with cocoa. So I was like, oh man, it's like a double chocolate, right? You know what the cocoa stood for? What? Cocoa nut. <laughs> oh no. And I had to throw it out. <laughs> Uh, no. So I had to go get a different crepe. No. That's the worst. David wakes up every day and he just regrets it and he gets like flashbacks. And But I don't <laughs> regret reading this series. So shall we go into the final verdict? Yeah. So to start things off with our six word summaries from the community, from Tucker, at last, Amangaka did research. Maxi yeah. B made notes, forgot to read it. <laughs> oh, no. Dude rocks. Bewitchingly good. Wish it didn't disappear. Or they also sell alternatively most base canceled manga. Ignore chapter 26. <laughs> <laughs> from real silly church tricks are for witches. Oh, fuck. That's a really good one. I was going to do that exact one, but it was just like I knew somebody else was going to do it. I have it written here, but I said silly rabbit. And when I saw that one in the Discord, I was like, no, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Someone wrote my six word summary, so I changed mine. Bird said long chapters, but absolutely worth it. Jordan, say chicken warlords. Prepearless prestidigitator perishes, pranks puritanical priests. And then Yeti also has a similar one. Brad, go for a bad read Yetis. <laughs> Isekai illusionist implements intricate inquisition interruptions. I love it. <laughs> and then this is the one I was very similar where 090Z said, like Dr. Stone, just slightly hornier. My original one was also about Dr. Stone. Mary says, is this your card? It wasn't. T. Wolfwood says, sounds good. Might check it later. You should. The series was really good. Yeah, yeah. And Sleepy Goodman, the evil AI, still using their Patreon name. And for my next trick, Justice, the eighth deadly sin. <laughs> the eighth deadly sin, yeah. <laughs> uh. Brad, what was your six word summary? I have a couple here. This might be my favorite one. Time Traveler establishes the Satanic Temple. He literally does, yeah. So, I mean, you guys can pick from a couple of these. Magic isn't real until it is. Yeah. This is a good one. Everyone's tough until sexy devil cross-dressing. Exactly. Yes. All right. So mine is witches are hot and deserve rights. I like it. Because they're tr it's true. Witches <laughs> are hot and they do deserve rights. These witches are hot. Most witches are hot. <laughs> hot witches deserve rights, Jordan. Jordan Forbes. I think I just like goth girls. Yeah, that feel one. So as we talked about, my, I wrote a joke one, which was, dude, this author is based AF. And then my real one was magic that's tuned to Araki. <laughs> I thought that was a good one because this is definitely the kind of accidentally a word. But, you know, sorry, magic that's tuned to the Araki. Yeah, because it's got to be six words, David. Yeah, I thought we'd actually mention Araki more, but I guess we mentioned him a little bit. Yeah, because I'm sure he'd love this series if he knows about it. Oh, yeah. No, this this gave me pretty heavy Cool Shock BT vibes. I wouldn't be surprised if this author read Cool Shock BT. Yeah. And then, OK, so I feel pretty good for flop or not. We all think this is not a flop. Absolutely not. And yeah. I think this is a stronger tenor, Jordan. Is this the best thing we've read? I wouldn't say it's the best. I still like Time Paradox Ghost Rider. Cool cop and hard dolphin. Cop and dolphin. Hard-boiled cool cop and dolphin. More, but I mean, this is definitely in the top. It's in the conversation, as it's they say. It's in the conversation, okay? It is so nice. We went through like, oh my god, like the entirety of last year fucking sucked for manga <laughs> that we read on here. Yeah, we picked Hungry Maria as the best thing in that series. It was like a 6 out of 10. We said that was a flop on the episode. <laughs> this is already better than every manga we read last year. I could tell you that, like, without without a doubt, at least on a main episode. Yeah. I'm really, really happy that you guys enjoyed this. I was a little worried when I first suggested it because one of the series that you guys were pretty harsh on, I actually really enjoyed. Phantom Seer? Super smartphone. Oof, oh, oof, oh, ouch. <laughs> I remember, yeah. I think I said chapter three was the worst chapter of manga I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, these guys might, they might be really harsh on this, but. <laughs> no, I enjoyed this. Thank you for recommending. We can be kind. We just have been reading a lot of shit. Yeah. Look, just because we disagree with you on some things doesn't mean we're going to disagree with you on everything, you know? Fair. Shall we go to shout outs? Yeah. So I want to start by saying, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Where can they find all the awesome things you do? 
Yeah. So um, as I said, my podcast is called That Time I Got Reincarnated in the Same World as an Anime Podcaster. And you can find that <laughs> on all the different platforms. We've gotten a little tired of saying that really long name all the time. And so now you can just go to our website, which is animepodcasterreincarnation.com. Yeah. And you can find all of the stuff there, all of the links to YouTube and our Twitters. And uh, we have Patreon that no one's joined. And uh, <laughs> maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll change after this. Hey, guys. Yeah, you know, I <laughs> check out his Patreon. Yeah. But we also have some some good articles and stuff up there. Ooh. My one co-host, Ben, is uh, a bookman, and he's uh, reading through all kinds of different stuff and putting up reviews up there. So that's fun. And if anyone out there listening is into manhwa, uh, if you don't know what that is, that's basically... <laughs> We've actually covered a manhwa on this show. Yeah. It's actually the only other isekai I think we've ever covered. <laughs> That was actually a really cool isekai where someone from a fantasy world went to a different fantasy world. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, is I got really into romance manhwa. Ooh. So we've been doing a bonus episode of our podcast, which is called Heroin Addiction. Oh, no. And, uh, <laughs> That's been doing pretty good. The romance manhwa market is underserved for people talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to say, though, props to Jordan for making the opening ending themes, being a great co-host and helping with the editing. Yeah, thank you so much, David. And thank you so much for the work that you do in editing and putting the podcast together, man. No problem. Props to Mer Lyle for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Lyle Mer and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thank you, Dylan, for assistance with editing. You can find his podcast, Anime Out of Context, at AnimeOutOfContext.com. Thank you, Tucker and Maxi B, for assistance with pronunciation, translation, other miscellaneous research. Find us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, ShonenFlop.com, or on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast. If you don't subscribe to us on YouTube, it would mean a lot. We're almost at a thousand listeners, which is awesome. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, and come join the Shonen Flop Discord. Open everyone, patron or not. You can hang out with us, talk about anime games or whatever else is on your mind. Brad has been an active member of the community. I really appreciate when a guest is active and we're at over 500 people and it's just been so exciting to see that growing too. Yeah. Yeah. Your community is great. I, I, you know, as soon as I jumped on there and started talking to the people, it's like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. That was still one of my favorite things. There's someone messaged me and said, dude, you're like the first manga discord I've joined that doesn't have a porn channel. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> definitely join discords for shows I record on and they're like anime titties and it's like not ironic and I'm like this is really awkward yeah just just look at it porn with your buddies yeah and <laughs> if you've been enjoying the podcast and want to help us keep going consider subscribing to our patreon we wouldn't be able to keep running the show without their support we are one dollar away from our next goal where Jordan and I are going to be covering a manga I created <laughs> called basketball grandma and you're gonna have to find out what that's about it's not the full title, David. No, it's not. It's called How Can I Find Love When My Grandma Was a four, Was a Six Foot Tall Former Basketball Player. Nice. <laughs> or sorry, was a six foot eight former basketball player. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of title I can get behind. Yes. Hopefully by the time you're listening, we'll be releasing it. Yeah, we're only 70 cents away, actually, David. And then Jordan, what is the super awesome content we have put out uh, this month? Well, we're having our first returning guest, David. We are talking about the first two volumes of Magushan with Sean from Anime Out of Context. You might have heard of him, you know? Yeah, our first ever returning guest and our first ever patron guest. It was a ton of fun to have him back. So you have to listen and hear our thoughts on one of the most wholesome manga that ended recently. Yeah, it's just, just enjoyment. It's just enjoying to read. It's a fun time. And um, I'm really excited, though. We're going to have really fun guests for every episode, so stay tuned. And you, along with that, get a lot of awesome perks, like helping us pick what series we're going to cover, listening to us recording and getting stuff like uncut episodes in our warm-up audio. And also, yeah. you, and you can find that at patreon.com slash shonenflop. And as a, speaking of perks, I'm going to read off some of our wonderful patrons. Starting off with our Chainsaw Man patron, we have Nipples Are Huge right now, check any magazine. And then moving on down to the Dolphin Dad tier, we have Dude Man Bro Guy and Tracking Roving Animals for All Loving Girls and Raccoons Wolfwood. Next, we have have a brand new tier, the Ravioli tier. It is the same as the King of the Forest tier, but you also get weekly photos of my new puppy, Ravioli. Yeah, <laughs> it's worth it. She is adorable. And we already have four Ravioli patrons, and that includes Chris Xenophotis. I probably said that wrong, Chris. Please let me know. I know you in person, so you'll just tell me how to say that. Rachel, Scarlett Myrmidon, Trevor Schechner, and then moving on down to the King of the Forest, we have... I love it. Wait, real quick, real quick. I love how Rachel is <laughs> in the Ravioli tier. <laughs> Pays for photos of her own dog, yes. <laughs> She's got ravioli right there. It's also one of her Valentine's Day gifts was upgrading her patron. Aww. It's for when she's out of the house. Yeah. 
I like how the most recent thing is Ravioli has like goblin mode where she'll just roll up, like run around making like this weird grunting noise. So I posted a video of her <laughs> goblin mode Ravioli. Nice. Oh, yeah. So we just say she's a little goblin. She is so cute. And then moving on down, though, to the king of the forest, we have 0907, Albie Cram. We have our Hungarian guest has sent us a pronunciation guide. So let me try and make sure I'm saying this right. I like how he explained it through anime terms where he said, so C-S-A-L-A is pronounced the same as the famous Dragon Ball opening theme, Shala, as in head Shala. <laughs> and then he said his last name, F-O-O-R-I-A-N, with a lot of, um, whatchamacallits. Umlauts and stuff, yeah. Like the Florinian Triangle in One Piece. Oh, so it's pronounced Florian. So Shala Florian. Cool. Please let me know if I'm still fucking that. We really want to make sure we're pronouncing it right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. I try my best. So I absolutely love how you said how to pronounce it. So feel free to send us a message if we fucked up again. If you've listened for a while, you've heard David have issues pronouncing things. We're not trying to do that. I have lots of issues. Yeah, that's just one of them. Yep, and then keep on going. We have Gabe Lando, Isra Font, Jacob Andrew Galloway, Josh Robinson, Kevin Briggs, Manji Knights, Marty, Max Breaker, Sean's Waifu, Judy Hops wants a nine coin review. I think I know what patron they are also a part of. T, <laughs> The Real Jory, The BB King, BB The. Thank you all so much for being our totally awesome patrons. Hell yeah, thank you so much. I love all of you. Also, I've been doing paintings. You know, I, I uh, working on my second abstract painting. Uh, you check out my work on my Instagram at uh, Jordan Forbes Art. You could check out the work I did previously on my website, JordanForbes.art. And yeah, I <laughs> give me money, give me a job. I love it. Yeah, basically that's where I'm at. I met Tov Lowe. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know who Tov Tov Lowe is? She's like. I have zero idea. She's like a Swedish, uh, a Swedish pop star. She did. Oh, um, very cool. Oh, I saw that picture. You put now, yeah. I gotta say hi all the time. I said say hi. I've just been listening to a lot of ABBA lately, so I'm I'm about it. You get it, yeah. I asked her if she liked anime and told her about Chainsaw Man. Yeah, we have to have her on as a guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send her an email. All right, enough of that. Let's get into sign off. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next Monday as we give our first thoughts on Metallica and Metulica. Oh, hell yeah. This has yes. been David. Oh, this has been Jordan. And this has been Brad. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. Yes. Yeah. I'm creeping down. <laughs> <laughs>